<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, there's no other way to describe it. Qualcomm got Apple to surrender. Are things back on for an Apple car, though? Microsoft has a new hub and a new Xbox One S. And why Hulu might have an advantage the other streaming players don't. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. So much happened in the hour or so around me pressing publish on yesterday's episode that I could probably have done two additional episodes just about what happened then. So this is going to be a jam-packed show today. We'd better get right to it. Peace in our time. Qualcomm and Apple have settled all worldwide litigation between the two companies, right as the U.S. trial was scheduled to begin this week. Quoting CNBC, The settlement includes a payment from Apple to Qualcomm, as well as a chipset supply agreement, suggesting that Apple will buy Qualcomm chips for future iPhones. The companies did not say how much the payment will be. Qualcomm stock rose more than 20% after the news broke, boosting its market cap by about $14.5 billion to more than $84 billion. It's Qualcomm's best day since 1999, end quote. I'm going to cut straight to the commentary chase here. Remember those rumors that Intel was struggling to supply Apple with 5G modems for the 2020 iPhones that are expected to be the first with 5G capabilities? Remember we asked, if Intel couldn't come through with those modems, who could Apple turn to? There weren't a lot of good options. But Qualcomm makes what are widely considered to be the best 5G modems. So everyone reading the tea leaves seems to agree. Apple capitulated, calculating that a 5G iPhone was more important than absolutely anything else. Oh, and it also saved Apple executives from having to take the stand at any trial and possibly embarrassing quotes and videos and things like that. Further credence to this theory that Apple was basically boxed in here came right away when Intel announced last night that it is exiting the 5G smartphone modem business completely, saying, quote, it has become apparent that there is no clear path to profitability and positive returns, end quote. So which came first? Intel being unable to deliver 5G modems or Intel abandoning 5G modems because Apple is settling with Qualcomm, thus opening the door for Qualcomm to be its 5G modem supplier? Ben Thompson thinks it's probably the latter that is the most likely. Apple left Intel, not the other way around. And actually, Ben's analysis is quite interesting. Ben has said for a while now that he thought Apple was in the right in this lawsuit against Qualcomm. But as Ben and any good poker player would tell you in high-stakes legal showdowns, it's not always about who is right and who is wrong. It's also about who has leverage over whom. Quoting Ben, 
To be sure, Apple is not an early adopter. The original iPhone didn't even have 3G, and the iPhone 5's LTE support was a couple years behind its earliest rivals. At the same time, 5G phones have already launched, which means that 2020 is right about the time that Apple would be expected to adopt the wireless standard. Perhaps more pertinently, the iPhone is in a far more precarious spot than it was in 2009 or 2012. Back then, the iPhone was guaranteed growth, whatever standard Apple supported. Today, Apple is hoping to, at best, hold its ground in terms of revenue, much less unit sales. And to that end, how long can a company charging more than $1,000 for its flagship phone not support the latest wireless standard, end quote? Ben concludes by saying that Apple miscalculated badly here. Qualcomm had all the leverage because ultimately they had a thing Apple couldn't live without. Over at semiaccurate.com, Charlie Demarion said essentially the same thing, quote, Apple was screwed and would have lost the iPhone market if they waited any longer. Qualcomm had Apple over a barrel and just had to wait. The longer Apple postured and threatened, the stronger Qualcomm's position got, and likely the bigger the check Apple had to write was, end quote. Now, lots of people have noted the terms of the settlement seem to be that Qualcomm has won back Apple's business for its modem chips for six to eight years, but there are Rumors hot and heavy that Apple has been hiring chip engineers like crazy. I think we're basically guaranteed to have Apple-produced modems inside iPhones in, I don't know, six to eight years, maybe? So, interesting times. It's rare that Apple has to back down to anyone. But Qualcomm legit stared them down and won. Again, sometimes all that matters is leverage. But then again, quoting Owen Williams... This only buys Qualcomm time, but may end up helping lengthen its lead again as well. There's no more Intel barking at the door, and Apple can go back to using reliable modems again. It's a win-win, for now. But I doubt Apple is the only phone maker investing heavily in breaking away from the company. The damage is done, end quote. Another bit of Apple news, but only briefly because it's only rumors, and again, with this story, I just... I I don't know anymore. Sources are telling Reuters that Apple is developing its own in-house LiDAR sensors and has held talks with four possible LiDAR suppliers to evaluate their tech for use in self-driving cars. Quote, Apple is seeking LiDAR units that would be smaller, cheaper, and more easily mass-produced than current technology, three people said. The iPhone maker is setting a high bar with demands for a, quote, revolutionary design. One of the people familiar with the talk said the people declined to name the companies Apple has approached. The sensor effort means Apple wants to develop the entire chain of hardware to guide autonomous vehicles and has joined automakers and investors in the race to find winning technologies, end quote. So again, how many times are we going to have to go back and forth in our thinking on this? Is Project Titan for real or not? Like, for real, for real? or even just for real, or even just real? It's all still so maddeningly unclear at this point. But at least at this moment, the pendulum has swung back in the direction of for real, for real. Sources are telling the Wall Street Journal that Department of Justice staff members have told T-Mobile and Sprint that their planned merger is unlikely to be approved as currently structured. 
Quote, in a meeting earlier this month, Justice Department staff members laid out their concerns with the all-stock deal and questioned the company's arguments that the combination would produce important efficiencies for the merged firm, the people said. Reservations voiced by Justice Department staff lawyers aren't necessarily the last word on a merger, as department leadership will also have an opportunity to weigh in and make the final decision, end quote. Not so fast, says T-Mobile CEO John Legere. He tweeted, quote, The premise of this story, as summarized in the first paragraph, is simply untrue. Out of respect for the process, we have no further comment. This continues to be our policy since we announced our merger last year, end quote. And Sprint Executive Chairman Marcelo Calare tweeted something similar. I remember being so excited about this when it was announced last year. And it's finally here. Microsoft today announced version two of its Surface Hub. And I gotta say, it still looks like a damned sexy device. Dubbed the Surface Hub 2, it is 60% slimmer than the original Surface Hub, 40% lighter with a 50-inch 3840 by 2560 display, and it's shipping in June for $9,000. Also, yesterday, Microsoft announced the Xbox One S All-Digital Edition, a disc-free Xbox One S launching May 7th for $249 with a one-terabyte hard drive and three games included. Pre-orders are open now, quoting from CNET. Microsoft also said it plans to keep the price of its diskless Xbox at $50 below that of its disc-using cousin, the Xbox One S, which isn't going away. It unveiled the diskless device as part of a company live stream Tuesday called Inside Xbox, during which it also announced a new Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription service for $15 a month. Quote, it's about offering choice, Jeff Gaddis, Microsoft's general manager of platform and devices marketing for Xbox, said in an interview, I don't see the disk going away, end quote. Well, I don't know. Tell that to the folks developing whatever that streaming gaming service is at Google. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. 
Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak Polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. Earnings season is ramping right back up. Last night, Netflix reported Q1 revenue of $4.52 billion, which was up 22% year-over-year. That beat estimates. Net subscriptions grew $9.6 million, a record, up 16% year-over-year. But there were only 1.74 million new subscribers in the U.S. as opposed to 7.86 million new subscribers internationally. The notes of caution were, firstly, that anemic U.S. subscriber number, Netflix is probably very much at saturation in North America. Netflix says it only expects to add 300,000 new subscribers in the U.S. next quarter. 80% of Netflix growth is now coming from overseas, where it should pass 100 million subscribers sometime this year. It has around 58 million subscribers in the U.S. And also... Netflix offered weak Q2 guidance, earnings per share of only 55 cents compared to the 99 cents per share analysts were expecting. But what continues to be interesting is that Netflix is continuing to break its longstanding tradition and actually share viewership numbers of certain bits of content for the first time. For example, that Firefest documentary that y'all probably watched, Netflix said it has been watched by 20 million households. Our Planet, that nature documentary with David Attenborough, on pace for more than 25 million household views in its first month. Triple Frontier, some movie with Ben Affleck, has been watched by more than 52 million member households in its first four weeks. As context, last Sunday's Game of Thrones, basically the cultural supernova of the minute, it was watched by a record 17.4 million viewers. But again... That's even less than the Fire Festival documentary. Again, there is one audience that Netflix is targeting by releasing these numbers. Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood superstar, want the stuff that you make to be seen by basically everybody? Make it for us. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Netflix very much evolves its messaging to hammer this home. You think the universe of options and the movement towards cord cutting has eviscerated the monoculture? No, quite the opposite. We've rebuilt the monoculture. It's over here, inside our Netflix app. We spoke about Hulu just yesterday and kind of sort of wondered, whither Hulu amid the streaming wars? Are they just going to be a pawn kicked back and forth between the major players because even their erstwhile owners have their own horses in the race now? Well, in the New York Times, Edmund Lee argues that Hulu actually has a unique advantage. Ads. Comparing Hulu to its competitors, Lee says, quote, Hulu, on the other hand, has three products that may better reflect what the future of streaming will look like. It has a live TV service that replicates a small cable bundle at $45 a month, a video-on-demand service that sells for $12 a month without ads. This one acts most like Netflix and a streaming service with advertising that costs $6 a month. The last one 
is Hulu's most lucrative business and points to future profits. Even though it charges $6, the service generates more than $15 in revenue per subscriber each month because of the high-cost advertising sold against those customers, according to two people familiar with the business. That would explain why Hulu lowered the price of the ads-based service by $2 this year, and it might also explain NBC Universal's interest in starting its own ad-based streaming network by 2020, end quote. Lee points out that at least so far, streaming services aren't a zero-sum game. Lots of people pay for both Netflix and Hulu. Now, for how long that is true remains to be seen. Would you be willing to subscribe to five or six different services at a time? But Hulu, by some measures, is actually a super strong player here. Remember, Netflix has that 58 million in paying subscribers in the U.S. Hulu has 25 million. And remember what I just told you about Netflix's growth slowing? At least in the U.S., Hulu grew by 47% in the U.S. last year. Netflix only grew by 12%. And with those ads, it can seemingly make more money per subscriber. You pay and you watch ads, at least for that one tier. Again, though, what does that remind you of? Oh, yeah, cable TV. Something, something, destroying the cable bundle just to reconstruct it. Finally today, caveat, caveat, this is super early, but Samsung has been sending out review units of the Galaxy Fold to tech journalists, as one does. But guess what? A lot of those same journalists are reporting that the review units that they've gotten are breaking after only about a day or two of use. Steve Kovacs did. Mark Germans did. Dieter Bones did. The reported issues are varied. German's unit is totally borked. Half of the screen is blank. Steve Kovacs is glitching out. Click the link in the show notes to see videos and pictures of all of this. Dieter Bone's device developed a bulge in the crease. The bulge slightly distorted the screen at first, and Dieter could feel the bulge with his finger. Annoying, but it didn't break the unit. Until it did. Whatever the bulge was eventually pressed so hard against the screen that it broke it. Quote, Whatever happened, it certainly wasn't because I have treated this phone badly. I've done normal phone stuff, like opening and closing the hinge and putting it in my pocket. We did stick a tiny piece of molding clay on the back of the phone yesterday to prop it up for a video shoot, which is something we do in every phone video shoot. So perhaps a tiny piece of that snuck into the gap on the back of the hinge and then around or through its cogs until it lodged in between the screen and the hinge. It'd be sort of like Charlie Chaplin getting caught in the gears in modern times, end quote. So, again, three incidents do not make a scandal, but, come on, (laughs) sending review units to tech journalists that can't hold up under two days of routine use? That does not bode well, does it? That's all for today. I've been your host, Brian McCullough. Follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. The podcast subreddit is r slash ride home. And check out our new podcast, The Primary Ride Home, if you're into politics. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.